So if you haven't been paying attention at all, you probably don't realize, but our kids are under attack. Now, when I say under attack, I don't mean like they got some kind of bully at school and somebody's being mean to them and or, or they didn't get their favorite lollipop after they did something good at school. I'm talking about spiritual warfare attack. Like it is time for the parents. It is time for the grandparents. It is time for the pastors, the elders of the church, the board members, anybody who knows how to pray to begin to pray because we are under attack. Now, we got some videos to go over today. It's kind of going to be a, a reaction to these videos, but I want you to, it, it blew my mind when I saw this, and we're going to kind of wrap it up with, uh, with some scripture, and uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get, get into this uh, today. So make sure if you, if you haven't already, to give a little subscribe, thumbs up, make sure that you put that bell notification on so that you can see every time we put out a new video. Now, uh, we're doing heavy on YouTube now. We're still throwing out podcasts actually tonight at 7 p.m., uh, both on any platform you listen to podcasts on and also on our YouTube channel. We're going live with a, a interview from a, a ministry group, a ministry uh, couple. They're two sisters. And they kind of shared their story. They started a ministry through drug addiction and uh, some fouls up in their marriage. Like they, they're very vulnerable. Some uh, job loss that everything was taken from them, and how God has still been faithful to them, and kind of where they grew up and how they grew up. It's a, a pretty touching story. Matter of fact, um, when I was interviewing them, uh, it just my backstory of. Not being my 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 home when me and my brother was being raised was perfect, but after that and I got in adulthood and I had I was out from underneath the umbrella of mommy and daddy and I got to I guess you would say spread my wings I went stupid, so a lot of their upbringing was almost, and this is what got me it was almost what I put my son through. Almost if my if my parents would not have been specifically my dad a lot. I, I passed him off to my dad a lot, my son, when he was little, uh, under third grade. And uh, if my dad was not there, I would not have, um, I, I wouldn't have the connection with my son that I do now because my dad took that responsibility on. So it's a very moving and touching story. Um, just, I don't understand and follow me here. I don't understand the logic behind certain sin. But when I think of it as just being raw terms of being sinful nature, it kind of helps me understand that person's perspective because uh, church people are good about using scripture to bash sinners over the head. When scripture is, yes, meant to show us how sinful we are. The, the, the law was, and the old covenant was to show us how sinful we truly are. It, is, it was supposed to be our spiritual mirror to show us how desperately we have become so evil and dark and in need of a God to save us because it was so obvious and is still obvious that we cannot do it on our own. This is why Jesus had to come to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death we couldn't die, to pay the price that we could not pay ourselves. He had to do this 
for us because we are evil. We are sinners. I preached uh, two Sundays ago about, and the title was No One Is Good, because we get so caught up in the church about how good we are, and we end up being self-righteous and saying that we're doing things on behalf of God or we're bearing the name of Christ, but yet we're bearing the name of ourselves, and we want people to pat us on the back, and we want to feel good. Well, when we start talking about uh, homosexuality or transgender, we clam up or we don't want anything to do with anybody who has that kind of lifestyle or that kind of tendency or that kind of thought process or, or whatever, slap whatever you want on there, which is actually not the way we are supposed to be in Christ. Actually, if you read the New Testament, Jesus spent most of his time with the people that nobody else said that he should be with. Now, I'm not saying if you have an alcohol problem and alcohol is your weakness, you go out and try to minister at the bar. That's not what I'm saying. If you have a meth problem or you did have a meth problem, don't go out to the drug lord's house and try to win him over to Jesus because you'll end up in the ditch again. All right? Stay away from where you need to stay away from. Be wise about your witness, but you have to have a witness. You have to be willing to talk to those who do not know God. That is our purpose. That is our mission. That is our reason for even Christ coming to us, rescuing us, not so that now we can say, well, I got in, I got fire insurance, I ain't going to burn, I turned, I won't burn. That's not why God saved you. That's not why Jesus came for you. It's actually so that you can go and then make disciples of Jesus Christ. A lot of times we get so selfish with our salvation and we want to stay exactly where we are. And then we want to tell everybody else of how bad they are, but we don't ever show the light to them. We only tell them about their darkness. And so we end up being self-righteous and we're wearing it as sharing the gospel. That's 100% all about us and has nothing to do with what Jesus came for. So with that being said, <clears throat> I just, uh, I, it was the, I guess the beginning of last year. So our son's in athletics, he's 14. He loves playing anything he can play. He, want, he wanted to try, we just moved to a new school district, a much larger school and so there was a lot more sports available. And so he wanted to try anything and everything that he could. I think the only thing he didn't try or they didn't have available was soccer. But he had done that before uh, when we lived over in Tyler. So he was kind of, yeah, with that. Then he tried football. Well, since the new year was coming around again, this is our second year here, second school year here. And he <clears throat> wanted to play sports again. So doing this, you have to go and you have to get a, a physical, an exam to make sure that you're healthy, to make sure you're growing the right way, especially at his age. Um, he actually has, he takes a certain medication. And so we actually do a separate exam uh, with all that just so that we can make sure that he is growing and he's in the percentage he needs to and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what they would do if he wasn't. Just give him a knee job where he can be taller. I, I really don't know how that works. But in this process, we get this email that tells us, the parents, the, the guardians of a then 13-year-old child, that we have to let him sign his name to give me, the custodial parent, the guardian, the ruler of his world that says yay or nay, whether he does or don't, that feeds him, clothes him, gives him everything that he needs, and a little more. It's not prison although sometimes he thinks it is. <clears throat> and he had to sign his name to get permission 
This is in East Texas, the Bible Belt. Everybody in, around here says that they go to church, whether they only go on Easter or Christmas. They still claim church or usually will claim some sort of knowing God or, oh yeah, me and God are good. That, that one's a, a common one. So for a, a place here in East Texas to tell me that as his parent, I have to have his permission to know his information. No, sir. And it blew my mind because I have never that I can remember seeing, seen anything like that before ever in my entire life. So it got me thinking, you know, maybe we as parents are guilty sometimes of, and listen, when I say we, I literally mean we, I'm usually confessing my sins, giving you a topic to talk about and think about. I, I'll say I, and then you can say you, will go through the routine we got to get through to get through the day, go through that routine to get through the next day so we can get through the week, so then we can do the things we got to do on the weekends. We're, we're pastors of a church. <clears throat> so we re- last Saturday was the first Saturday me and my wife just had to each other, and we just like didn't do much, and it was amazing. But that is a rare thing because we always have something with church on Saturday. And then Saturday nights is when I cram for Sunday mornings, and we don't get weekends anymore. And so then we have church on Sunday, then usually uh, alternate, I have to go pick up my son from his side, his mom's side of the family. So there's always something going on every day of the week, except for Monday, we're at the church and it's constant getting in a routine. Well, when you get in the routine, it makes life a little bit easier because you don't have to think so much. And that's what, that's the great thing about having a routine is that you don't have to put so much effort into it. Once you get the system down, you just kind of go, you do, and then you go to sleep and you wake up, you do again, and then you make it through the day. You go, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. And you talk about it a little bit and then you just make it through another weekend before you know it, it's been years and you're stuck doing the same thing. And we don't call that a routine anymore. We call that a rut. And so you get stuck in this rut. Well, as parents, sometimes we're so busy being busy and being, you know, it doesn't make us bad parents, but we're being good parents, okay? And we <clears throat> we get into the system, we get into this routine, and we we just go and go and go and go and go. And sometimes things like the little details of me having to have my 14 my 13-year-old sign something to give me permission to look at his documents just gets a side a side eye and we're like, mm, that's that's weird. But yet, we're so busy, we're so caught up in routine, we don't think nothing about it until it's too late. And you say, oh, well, this, what do you mean too late? This isn't, it's not too late. Let's watch this video. This video was posted, if you don't know, there's a, a, a major channel, it's got about almost uh, 660,000 subscribers, and it's called The Victory Channel. Uh, and, and just a blast across every person, every video, every, whatever reaction I ever do. I do not a hundred percent ever go along with anything anybody ever says or any video just because I watched the video does not mean I endorse everything that they do or say. So I'm putting that disclaimer out there now, but if you want to go give them a subscribe so that you can be a critical thinker and judge for yourself of what kind of content you want to consume. Go right ahead. So we're going to look at this, and I want you to pay attention to what is happening. And I think this, uh, the the first guy is a news guy, and then the guy that comes on and starts talking, he's, he's a pastor of a local church. So let's, let's watch this. 
we need to get behind this. But this, I want to play this piece that uh, Pastor Russell did, because this is specifically for the state of Washington. You guys need to get behind it. Watch. State of Washington. Hey, friends, Pastor Russ here. I wanted to bring you an important political update from the Washington state legislature. Yeah, frankly, I wish it was better news than it actually is. For nearly 10 years of my life, I was heavily involved in the public policy field in our region. From congressional campaigns to referendums, lobbying and voter engagement, I've worked in nearly every facet of the political... Shout out for the modern pastor megachurch look. ...system in our state. See, the family unit is the first governmental system God ever ordained. In any legislation that seeks to do violence against the institution of the family unit must be forcefully rejected by common sense people everywhere. Now listen to what he said. He said common sense people everywhere. Why is this so important? Because we as parents let other people raise our children. And listen, I understand not everybody, not every uh, ecosystem at your house is built. We have a lot of single parents at our church. You can't stop your job and you can't raise your children uh, where you're doing their school. You're the one that's giving them information. You're the one that's influencing them. We can't do that. We may do that sometime in the future. Right now, my wife is pregnant. We found out we got a little baby girl and we're talking through some things. We're not really, you know, things are kind of up in the air. What do you want to do? I don't know. But it's a big deal to stop your regular having two incomes for, for the, the main way things are, two incomes, and then you go to a, a one income, a single income, that's very scary. But not everybody can be a mega superstar at their job, be on a salary of a hundred or more thousand. You can't, it's just not possible. It's not around here. There, there are jobs that are like that, but it's not common. It's not like uh, you, you go to Dallas and obviously the numbers, the population is greater. So obviously there's more uh, breadth of jobs you can have that earn that type of money, but not everybody can do that. He's, he's using very specific, very forceful language because we as parents, and when I say parents, I mean, parents, immediate, grandparents, aunts, uncles, all the people in the sphere of influence that are helping raise your village idiot. <laughs> that's, that's what's happening here. <laughs> to raise your child. Like, you need to get serious with what your child is consuming and what your child is allowing to influence them. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It would mean a great deal to me if you download, share, and subscribe so you can be notified every time I put out a new episode. Once again, thank you and see you next time on Faith and Failures.